You're here by divine appointment. You're here because God wants you here and because God's got a plan. Put your hands together. Welcome our evangelist, Brother Tim Green. Well, glory, glory. I feel like we just heard two fiery fives, and now I've got to preach after that. What a privilege to be in the house of God all day today, but back with you again tonight. And uh, I, I want to kind of give you an expectation tonight. I'm going to preach, but I'm more laying a foundation and giving teaching and instruction so that there can be some spiritual gifts flowing not only for you, but through you today, and that there be understanding and how to operate in some gifts of the Spirit today. So uh, listen for direction, let your faith rise, and then we'll have moments of faith and impartation, and God will use you tremendously and mightily in the place today. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, this wonderful church. It's quickly becoming one of my favorite churches that I preach at. And, of course, high honor to Elder Bishop Wilson and his bride and Bishop Pastor and his bride and Bishop Lifer Friend and his wife and bride and, and uh, Brother Steve Smith and I go way back and uh, also so good to have my Luscious in the house today. That's Lois Green for those who are not sure who Luscious is. There's a proverb that is uh, kind of speaking to me for 2024. And it says this in Proverbs 25 and 2. That it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. In the New Testament, there's seven mysteries that are listed. Seven mysteries. And that might seem a strange thing that God would put mysteries in the kingdom. But there's certain things in the kingdom of God he doesn't want to give to just anybody. But to those who are hungry and will search it out and will hunger for it and begin to pursue it, those who have this type of spirit, it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. And I want everything that God has for us in 2024. And I am going for it with all my heart, energy, mind, and spirit. Amen. I am going to read from, to be a little traditional, let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'll read verse 11. And uh, again, I've not given much details to our audio media and uh, they're, they're just working, not their problem. If anything goes wrong, it's, it's my lack of communication here. But in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, all these, speaking of the gifts of the Spirit, worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. God bless you. I'm preaching about, teaching about, imparting, speaking. <laughs> about discerning or diverse kinds of tongues today. Diverse kinds of tongues. God bless you. You may be seated. Our text here that we read tells us that all these gifts work at the one and the self-same spirit. It almost seems like a no-duh statement to declare that the prerequisite for being used in gifts of the spirit is that you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
But actually there are people in our world that try to operate in gifts of the Spirit without the gift of the Holy Ghost. So it's to those who are Spirit-filled. And then the Scripture goes on to say that God divides to every man severally. So it's not just to pastor and bishop and, and this special one and that. It's everyone who has the gift of the Holy Ghost. God will divide several giftings to you. And the last part is very important. As he will. The he is not capitalized. It's not the intention of Paul as he writes for us to think it's God's will. But rather for your will. It's why he tells us that we are to desire spiritual gifts. As we will ourselves and desire for spiritual gifts and hunger to be used of God, then God gives us several as we are filled with his spirit. Going back to the first verse in chapter 12, Paul says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. It's as plain as it can be here. It's not the will of God for us to be ignorant concerning gifts of the Spirit. It's the will of God for us to not only operate in them and have them in our church services and in our daily lives, but that we understand them and know how to use them properly and have proper wisdom concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the root word of ignorant is ignore. And I find a lot of people that kind of live in that camp. They just kind of ignore that we have the opportunity to operate in spiritual gifts. So there's no hunger, there's no pursuit, there's no will, there's no studying, and there's no pursuing of these things. It's not the will of God for us to ignore or to be ignorant. Verse 2, he said, we, You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols even as you were led. Now, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And anytime he says, and he does this several times, anytime he says something like, well, this is the habit of the Gentiles, or that's the way of the Gentiles, or this is what the Gentiles do, we should perk up because we, we Gentiles... <laughs> And so it's something that we're going to face and fight, and we should be aware of what Paul has given us a clue and an idea of. So he said what the Gentiles do is make dumb idols of gifts of the Spirit and those that pursue to operate within them. Oh, that's brother so-and-so. Woo! That's a Gentile thing. Because the gifts of the Spirit are in the body of Christ and there's no big eyes and little U's. We're all the body and we need each other. Some operate in some giftings. Some operate in other giftings. Are all apostles or all prophets? No. There's different giftings for all of us that we should all operate in. And when we begin to make gifts of the Spirit something that is spooky and since that's a, that's a, that's a Gentile thing. To make it a sensationalism or, or something that is spooky or mystical. It's a natural operation of the gift of the Holy Ghost that lives within you that begins to give you operation to move. And as you exercise that gifting, you become more proficient in that gifting. So we need to fight that tendency we have as Gentiles to make it something that we put on a pedestal or worship it or separate it and make it sensational, something that it is not. Verse 3, Paul said, I give you to understand 
And by the way, when he speaks like that, I give you to understand, it's actually going to require understanding to receive what he's saying. I give you to understand that no man can speak by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. It seems to be so out of place here in 1 Corinthians 12, but as I've studied it out, let me just share with you what I see Paul is saying according to what he's laid down in some other epistles. He's basically saying that if you want to be operating in gifts of the Spirit and you don't even know that God is Jesus... It's probably going to bring curse and hurt to your life. This is absolutely what the Bible is telling us is a one God Pentecostal operation of gifts of the Spirit is for us. Then we find in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, We don't use this word so much diversify unless we're talking about diversifying our portfolio. Financial term is how we use it. But that simply means in the financial term, you're not putting all your finances in one basket, several baskets. So he's saying that the gifts of the Spirit are diversified. That means not only are there at least nine gifts of the Spirit listed here, and I can show to you that Romans talks about gifts of the Spirit where there are seven gifts. I can show you Ephesians that talks about five gifts. I think there's a plethora of gifts, in my opinion, is that there's as many gifts as God himself is. He can do anything at any time through anybody that will let him. And Paul is trying to define this in gifts that he has seen operate and move in the church, and he's saying the gifts are diversified. Even every gift is diversified. Faith has multiple vocabularies. You can determine the gift of faith as someone that actually operates in a high faith level with high emotion and high expectation. But there's a faith that we also know comes like we spoke this morning. A faith that just believes even when you don't understand. There's a faith of Job that though he slay me, yet will I. This is faith that is multidimensional. In fact, when you look at Hebrews, which is the Hall of Faith chapter, faith is described as those who are more powerful in faith are those that have not received their promises. <laughs> That's a dimension of faith we don't talk about much. So the gifts are all diversified. Then in verse 5, he says there's differences of administration, the same Lord, verse 6, diversities of operation, but the same God which worketh all in all. So what Paul is saying is that one individual will operate in a gift different than another individual will operate. I will administer the gift that God has given me in a different way than another individual will administer the gift. Now, this, as I study, this is one of the biggest problems I have with a lot of the books that you can find today about gifts of the Spirit. Because they don't give allowance for diversities of gifts and they don't give allowance for difference of administration and diversities of operation. Usually what the book will say is, here's the gift, here's the vocabulary, this is how I've seen it done, this is my experience, and that's how they will go forward with it. When in reality, it is, that's one small outlook. That's blinders for one individual. 
For the gifts are diversified. The differences are in operation and the difference in administration. So as I'm sharing with you today what God has put upon my heart, you need to know that all I can share with you experientially what I've experienced is absolutely what God has given me and the way that I operate and the way that he has given me to administer gifts of the Spirit. Okay? But they all will operate in principle of the Word of God. Are we still all right? All right, verse 8. For one is given by the Spirit. Let's look at verse 7. I skipped over that. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And this is basically saying that when the gifts operate, everybody should profit. And if everybody's not profiting, there's either problems in the operation, the administration, or the receptivity of the gifts of the Spirit. Because even if one individual is being given a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a prophecy or whatever it might be, then the faith and the love we have for that individual should raise our faith level up. In fact, I, I believe uh, the ministry that God has pressed me into the last several years where there is calling out or speaking from a microphone I think is short cycle. I don't believe this is supposed to last for a long time. But we have gotten so far away from pursuing the gifts of the Spirit that there needs to be a public showing of them so that we can see how they should properly operate, from what spirit they should operate, and how they should, how they should bring edification and confirmation. So there is a very visible things of the Spirit being seen, but we don't see Jesus doing this. In fact, when he goes to operate in gifts of the Spirit like the woman at the well, he sends everybody else into the town and he operates in four or five gifts of the Spirit as he ministers to the woman at the well. Nobody's there to experience it. He just, oftentimes he says, yes, I'll do healing. Come outside the town where nobody can watch. Then he heals people and tells them, don't go tell nobody. We're kind of opposite with our Gentile mindset. We're thinking, oh, if we had a certain type of miracle, then we would have a great revival because everybody would want to come here where there's hope. That's actually very backwards. When you begin to see revival that comes from healings and miracles and gifts of the Spirit, this is how it happens, like in Acts, where the lame man is healed, and he goes running and leaping, and his testimony brings people to the woes that can do something for them, Peter and John themselves. It's not that we do something here and we invite everybody to come here because this is where it's at. It's the personal testimony. In fact, that's what every gift of the Spirit is about. Not about building a church. Not about building a reputation. It's for the individual. And the individual's testimony is what brings great revival. Now we get into gifts of the Spirit here, verse 8. Uh, one is given the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discern of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongue. And if you're looking in some scriptures, you'll see that divers is uh, italicized here in my King James Version. And I, I don't want to skip over this because when we see it italicized, we know that that word was not originally in the Greek, but it was added to give us understanding. Now, we don't have a problem with that because languages don't translate word for word. We all understand that. Even in Spanish and English where our words are so close together, they're not word for word. But if you're preaching 
in, in Madagascar, I was preaching, and there was three different interpreters that would speak after me. So I would maybe speak one breath, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the next guy would speak three words, blah, blah, blah. And the next guy would be 10 minutes in translating. Sometimes you're wondering if they even listen at all to what you're saying. I've heard that sometimes missionaries actually do preach when the preacher can't preach. It go over some of your head, that's all right. And so we understand that's happening because words don't translate word for word in different languages. And that's the way with the Greek into our English for understanding. But if you will look at the last part of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, verse 28, God has set some of the church, first apostles, second to the prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gives of help, governments, diversities of tongues. And this word is not italicized at all. So here's your second confirmation that there's diverse kinds of tongues and there's diverse diversities of tongues and this is not a slip or a mistake it's the will of God for us to know and to understand how diversities of tongues operate okay feel like I need to hit this just a little bit so let me do that in chapter 12 he's talking about gifts of the spirit in chapter 13 he says it doesn't matter how powerful you are if you don't operate out of love you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal and probably hurtful the fruit of the Spirit is the origin for the gifts of the Spirit to operate. So if you're not operating in love and brotherly kindness and compassion, then you're outside the principle of the giftings of the operation. It is absolutely pride to want to build yourself up to a position where people are afraid of you because of your giftings. Did I just say that? Okay. So we get to the last part of chapter 13, and Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, thought as a child. We talked about this a little bit this morning. But Paul has given us understanding that uh, operating in the gifts is like a child growing up. The first time that a child walks, that's a gift of equilibrium. It's a gift of balance. It's a gift of athleticism, whatever you might want to call the gift. But the first time they try to walk... You know, it's a toddling step and then they fall down. But those that give themselves to this discipline that starts with balance, athleticism, they learn how to get up early in the morning and become our fastest sprinters. It starts with a gift of a toddling step and falling. But those that practice and give themselves to it and experience it and flow after it, they become our professional athletes. Olympic figure skaters. I'm trying to think of some women's stuff here. It becomes those that we celebrate in athletic prowess and it starts with a toddling step. So God is not going to give you a gift of the spirit and say, hey, here's your gift of healing. Get behind the pulpit and operate. He's not going to embarrass you and get you to do something that you can't do. The first time that you're going to begin to operate is going to be where somebody don't even know you. It's going to be at a home Bible study you're teaching to a stranger somewhere or somebody walking out of a grocery store and compassion moves upon your heart and you have to speak to them because God will not embarrass you. It's, it's like joining yourself to be a carpenter and you go to the foreman the first day on the job. He's not going to put you cutting crown mold. He's going to give you a hammer and a 16-penny nail and you're going to work on two-by-fours that won't be seen. They'll be hid by sheetrock. 
God is going to develop within us. So we have to hunger for the gifts, pursue it, study it, experience it, walk in it, take a toddling step, fall, pick ourselves back up, walk steps, and pursue this. And God directs us in a way that protects our giftings and the respect and the value that we should operate in. All right, I just took that rabbit trail, so let's get back over here where we need to be in diverse kinds of tongues. I want you to know very specifically that I am not talking whatsoever today about receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. That is a totally different thing. In fact, the verse we read here for our text declares that you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost before you can operate. So you can't operate in a diverse tongues before you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is an easy way to look at this in the scripture that almost every time that it talks about the gift of the Holy Ghost, the word there is, I think it's dorea in the Greek. And it literally means here's a present. God is going to give you a gift or a present. That's the Holy Ghost. Gift of the Holy Ghost. But when you see the gifts of the Spirit, totally different Greek word. It's the Greek word charisma for where we get this charismatic which simply means that it's like you have giftings and personalities and, and abilities, okay? Totally different words. So if there's any confusion, almost every time you'll find a separation in the word gift of the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit. So we're not talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. All this subject here in Corinthians is talking to those that begot the Holy Ghost, some in the book of Acts, and then others through revival that began to happen here in Corinth, okay? So I'm not talking about that. I'm not going to deal with that. I am talking about once you become a child of God and you are spirit-filled, there is a language that you begin to flow in if you have any kind of pursuit and relationship with God that becomes your prayer language. I hope that I'm not uh, being too charismatic with that phrase for your ears. It becomes your worship language. It becomes your prayer language. How many of you, when we were kids... And our pastor was preaching, and sometimes he would he'd just speak in tongues while he's feeling the strong anointing. You know, we could actually say what he was saying. It's like, here he goes, oh, it's going to be Shikamo Shire, or, you know, whatever it's going to be. Because when he felt that certain anointing, it was that language that he often spoke. How many of you in your prayer life, as you yield to the Holy Ghost, begin to pray in the Spirit, to hear yourself saying sounds that you say a lot? Getting some good nods. No one's really wanting to put their hands up and go for this yet, but we're getting there. All of us do that. And some of us yield very easily. This was what I would call our edifying tongue. This builds us up. And if ever we need to exercise a yielding to this diverse kinds of tongue, it's today. Because we will have very little value in this world. Everywhere you go, they're celebrating weirdness. Sin everywhere is embraced and accepted. And the only thing that's not accepted in this tolerant world is truth. And so those who love truth and don't want to move away from it, who love the infallibility of the word of God, in our society, you're going to have less and less value. 
So when you get a chance to go to your prayer closet, you need to build yourself back up because the enemy is trying to tear you down all day and you need to pray in the spirit and everything that's happened to you in the physical realm, now the Holy Ghost is going to build you up and you're going to know how valuable you are, how much presence of strength you have. We need to do this in church as well. And I I, I want to delineate this for some that are confused about this. Because in your basic relationship with God as an individual, your basic general relationship is you're his child. He's our heavenly father. We need to be built up in that relationship, edified. But when we come together, something special happens. Now together we become the bride of Christ. Can't do that by yourself. You got to come to people like precious faith. And we need to be built up in that dimension as well. Now, when Paul begins to talk about gifts of the Spirit in chapter 14, and he gives instructions about what should happen with people who are speaking in tongues, I just want to throw this out for you. Church service was not in their day like our church service. It was not nearly as ceremonial and structured and entertainment flow as what ours are. They just came together and started talking and speaking and gifts were flowing, etc., So he's talking about when there's a ceremony-like service, then there should be no speaking that the community among us wouldn't understand. I just want to hit this quick, okay? So I want you to see this as simply this. There are places in our church services that is no longer church. It turns into a prayer service. We have short terms of prayer after our singing. It's no longer a ceremony. Now it's praise and prayer and worship. That's a different dimension of ceremony. At our altar service, it's no longer church, like Paul would be saying that the the speaking in tongues shouldn't happen in church ceremony, but now it's a type of prayer. Absolutely, it needs to happen there, okay? If you're not understanding everything I'm talking about, grab one of the elders and go to chapter 14 and see what Paul's saying here, okay? There absolutely is a need for gifts of the Spirit, even diverse kinds of tongues, to operate in what we call church service. It's when we have praise and prayer breaks between our service and ceremonies. Okay. So moving on to this, we find not only do we have an edifying tongue that needs to happen by ourselves as we edify our relationship as a child of God. It happens when we come together to edify our relationship as the body of Christ. But then there's other diverse kinds of tongues. There's one that I call, it's just simply my name for it, I call it a declaring tongue. Declaring tongue. And it happens for me. All I can share with you is my operation, my administration. It happens for me like this. It'll be in my prayer time or perhaps in a prayer time together with people like Precious Faith that I will feel as I'm praying, usually even praying in an edifying tongue, yielding my mind and understanding to the Spirit of God. As I'm praying in that area, I'll feel him begin to draw me into a new dimension. I'm just going to speak words that make sense to me and hopefully it will to you. I feel a pressure like on my shoulders, like a weight. I feel an expectation in my heart, and I feel like that God's saying, cross this threshold into a new dimension. I'm going to use you in a greater way than what you're operating right now. Does that make sense to you? So when I hear that and feel that, I want to do what God wants me to do, so I move close to him in worship and prayer, but in yielding. 
And as I move close to him in yielding, then my language begins to change. It's no longer an edifying tongue that I pray in all the time, but it's like I stepped across a threshold and it's like I moved into the throne room of God. And he's sitting on his throne and he who is the king of kings can say anything and it becomes law. But he's not speaking and declaring anything. Instead, he wants me to declare. And so I feel this unction, this anointing to begin to speak in the spirit, not of my understanding, but to speak in the spirit. And it becomes words that sound authoritative and powerful. You might know what I'm talking about. You've been there. And I know that there has been an anointing come upon me in a diver kinds of tongues to speak things that are not, to declare things that have not yet happened, and a creative power to begin to operate as I'm speaking in the spirit and declaring in the heart. How many of you know that you've touched that at times? This is a legitimate diverse kinds of tongues. And we've got to learn that there's a plethora of tongues that God will use us in supernaturally. We need supernatural operation among us. And this is one that he will use us in. Let me, let me deal with the oldie but goodie that we're more familiar with. And I'm submitting everything I'm speaking here as I'm teaching to, to bishop, bishop, and bishop. And if... Uh, if there's anything they need to straighten out, you listen to them and just disregard anything I'm saying. But from all the experience that I've received in watching individuals try to move into diverse kinds of tongues or other gifts of the Spirit, there, there's some things that I'm seeing. So I want to deal as quickly as I can with what we're most familiar with, which is diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, we want to marry these two together in our culture because that's where we're most familiar with. They can be used together. Often they are. They don't have to be. Just like the operation of faith often is used with a work and a miracle. But it don't have to be that way. You can have faith without the miracle. You can have miracle without the faith. I can show you that in the Word of God. So there is absolutely some things that we need to understand work separately. But we're comfortable with the diverse tons of tongues and interpretation of tongues, okay? For me, it happens like this. All I can share is my experience. Is that sometimes, long before service, as my mind is focusing in on church and God, I'll begin to get a high expectation that he wants to use me and anoint me. Now, when God's going to give me words of wisdom, I'll feel an anointing upon my head. I don't know if this is going to make sense to you. Some of you think I'm crazy. But when I feel a ministry of anointing, I feel it high in my heart or chest area. So I'll begin to feel a high expectation in my heart, and I know that God wants to use me. Sometimes as I'm praying and focusing in, whether I'm brushing my teeth or taking a shower, putting clothes on, whatever it is, I'm focusing and, and, and praying, God will begin to give me ideas or a theme or something that I will be following in that service. Does that make sense? I'm talking about diverse kinds of tongues to be interpreted. Okay? Sometimes God doesn't speak to me and let me know before church. Sometimes when we move into service, I know it's going to happen. Sometimes I don't know it's going to happen until right before it happens. So you've got to be instant in season, out of season, and be obedient to, to the Spirit of God. So it happens for me like this. I've got that expectation, or I don't have it yet, but it's going to come at the last moment. And then when that expectation is there, every gift of the Spirit operates to two things very generally. Submission to proper authority in your life, spiritual authority, and also proper timing. Now, maturity is understanding timing. 
And so the timing of this would not be for it to operate in the ceremony of church, but rather for it to operate in a prayer service as instructed in Corinthians 14. So this will happen not in the middle of while we're singing. Somebody just starts speaking out and giving a tongue and then we have to, what, what's happening? What, what, you know, shut down the music. What's going over here? Is this a tongue? You know, it's it's got to be done orderly and properly. And so there's a time of prayer. That's where you want to be connecting with God to give that. And if in that time of prayer you feel a, uh, for me, I feel a loosing. It's like what you've been holding for the right time. I feel a loosing in my spirit. So if I was going to give four tongues, this is what I would say. I'm going to lift up my voice in that time of prayer and speak out very loudly for my first breath. Blah, 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 blah. Then I'm going to take a few seconds while I catch my breath before I speak the second sentence. Now, we shouldn't, you know, climb to that place and do something like... We don't know if we're being stepped on or you're mad at somebody or what happened. So we want to know for sure that this is orderly and the gifts of the Spirit. So when the prayer is happening, then you lift up your voice and very strongly begin to speak your first breath. I pause for the next few moments to make sure whoever's leading the service feels like it's the proper time. Because even if it's the proper time and they don't feel like it is, you're out of place to continue you got to be submitted to the proper authority in your life, whether or not they're even correct. And we can see this with all kinds of examples, Saul and David and all these things that we see. So we understand you got to submit to that. So if I give forth my first breath, and now I've waited just to hear and make sure there's no changing of the service, then I go ahead and give what God has given me, and I feel this loosing to speak, this loosing to speak, and then as soon as that loosing is shut, stop. Sometimes we might be at a high inflection, uh, and then we feel like we have to bring it down. We don't need to do that. Just when you have what God has given you, speak it, loose it, and then when you feel it, leave, stop. Okay? Same thing for the interpretation. Sometimes I know long before church service. Sometimes I know in church service. Sometimes I don't know. In fact, sometimes God doesn't give me a word. He gives me one word. You got to speak that word and flow in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes he gives me a vision, so i gotta got to share the vision that I've been given. So it's something that you've got to yield to and flow in it. The other place that would be proper is in an altar service where prayers happen. There will be a law in the service, and then that prayer service will be a time to give forth tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now, there is a tendency among us right now that is improper. And people are hungry to be used of God. And this is the dimensions that are accepted mostly. Interpretation of tongues and, and, and diversities of tongues for to be interpreted. But this is what's happening. People are so hungry to be used that they move even when God's not moving them. And so to be recognized as someone spiritual or to somehow hunger for God to use them even though it's not his right timing... They will give forth a tongue, and the translation will come forth that sounds something like this. I'm, I'm your Lord, and I'm so good to you, and, you know, Happy New Year's, everybody. <laughs> I'm being a little sarcastic, but it has no value. It has no direction, and it has no purpose. This is not the will of God. In fact, when Paul talks about this operating, it should bear people's souls. 
And individuals among us that don't even know what's going on should fall on their knees and say, God is in this place. So this is not something for us just to, to exercise here and there. You'll be places that God lets you exercise that, they'll help you grow, but it's not a place for it to function in the prayer service of our church unless you're being used of it. Paul tells us by two or three mouths, and that's again for people to be able to step onto an anointing of another and to encourage and to grow and all the stuff that happens in that dimension. I don't want to get lost in that. So I wanted to touch that diversities of tongues for interpretation of tongues and just kind of set that basis. But here's the main thing I want to say. If you begin to give tongues or interpretation of tongues and you're not submitted to the leadership standards of that church, you're out of order. Because what happens when you begin to speak is that we are going to listen to what's being said and if God is saying, get on your face and repent, we're getting in our face and repenting. You are going to be leading that congregation by what you say in the spirit or what you interpret in the spirit. So unless you're in a leadership submission, then you're out of submission to authority. Proper timing, proper submission to authority. Now let's get on to the good stuff, all right? So the number, the next one I would speak about, we've got the edifying, we've got the interpretation, I'm not going to speak much about that anymore. We've got the declaring, the edifying declaring, but there's also a tongue that I'm going to call a mighty man of valor tongue. It is a, it is a warrior tongue. Okay, And it comes on me like this. I feel that anointing upon me in my prayer service, whether with other individuals or by myself. And I feel God drawing me to cross that threshold. But when I get to that threshold, I don't walk into a king's room and all power there. I step onto a battlefield. And the enemy of my family, my soul, my church leaders, my brothers and my, my community, the enemy is out there facing me. And immediately when I cross that threshold, there is something that rises up in me. It's not fight or flight, it's fight. I'm not running from the enemy. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So when that anger, that holy indignation rises up in me, then there's a yielding in my spirit to pray in tongues. But it's not a declaring tongue with words of authority and power. It's a fighting. It has guttural sounds. And I'm speaking in tongues and it's sharp words. And sometimes I ball my fist up and I walk and I'm declaring or speaking in tongues in the spirit. And I'm fighting in the Holy Ghost. And I know that the enemy is being bombarded. Anybody ever felt like that you've done that in the spiritual prayer room sometimes? That's beautiful we got that experience here. There needs to be a whole lot more of us because there is a need for us to fight in the spirit. There is a threshold as we're moving into 20. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. There's a threshold as we're moving into 2024 and somebody has to come against the stance of the enemy that's trying to keep us from the victory and revival that we're going to experience this next year. So we need people that know how to fight in tongues. This is a supernatural gifts of the Spirit that will allow us to supernaturally begin to destroy the works of the enemy. I'm feeling the fresh liberty, so let's just do this. I, I want to take a moment. We're going to pause and we'll go back to some of this instruction. But I feel right now is a good opportunity that the Spirit will allow us and draw us, that there can be an impartation right now. This is what I want you to do. And I'm just, this, again, this is my operation, my administration. 
I want you to begin in just a moment when I loose you to worship. Because worship is what stirs the gift of God in me. All right? This is biblical, but it's also my experience. Paul told Timothy, you got to learn what stirs the gift of you and stir it. It's the same thing that happened with the Old Testament prophet when the king stood at his door and said, we got enemies' armies against us. Prophesy, man of God. And the man of God is like, well, I ain't finished my Cheerios. I didn't fix my hair yet. I'm not ready, but go get a minstrel player. Go get a keyboard. Go get a guitar, and let's begin to play and worship. And the gift began to stir, and the prophet prophesied and saved the people of God. The worship is what stirs the gift of God in me. So when I come to church, it doesn't matter if anybody else is worshiping. If the gift of God in me is going to stir, I've got to worship him. And I'm not just talking about singing, so I've got to worship him. And when I connect with him in worship, the gift of God begins to stir in me. Okay? Now, in order for me to operate for you, then you need to give me liberty. There's four anointings I'm not going to talk about, but one of the anointings is your liberty to allow me to minister to you. And that happens in church services like this with your worship, okay? So when you begin to worship, in fact, those that are worshiping like you were this morning are very open. And the spirit in her is speaking to the spirit in me, and I know things in the Holy Ghost, okay? Then you got to wait for proper time, and as all gifts of the spirit has to operate. So this is what I I want you to understand, that I have to worship. So in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to worship. I'm going to quickly lead you into praying in your edifying tongue. Whatever tongue that you're comfortable praying with, just go ahead and give yourself, begin to pray in the Spirit a little bit. Once I feel a liberty in that, I'm going to speak this. I'm going to say impartation and faith, and I'm going to loose you. When I do that, you're going to feel an atmosphere shift, and you're going to feel a fight in your spirit coming up against you. And I want you to see what the enemy's trying to do. Where's the brother that is working in a freedom ministry here? The drugs and the alcohol. There you are, brother. The drugs and the alcohol and the things that are trying to steal the life of our... If there's no passion in you for what, God, what the enemy's doing against our generation, then look at what he's doing in your family. Look at what he's trying to do against your marriage. Look at what he's trying to do. And let something rise up in you. When you feel that passion, listen to those who will be touching that atmosphere and begin to give yourself to them. We okay, Pastor? Okay. So, so here we go. We ready? Whatever position you need to be in, if you want to sit there, that's fine. Whatever position you're in, let's just begin to worship. Would you do that? Honestly, worship from the depths of your heart and really connect with God. I worship you, Father. That's it. Press a little further. Press a little further. True worship. Say words you don't normally say and tell him how awesome he is. I adore your presence. Do you feel that liberty? Now, right now, just move easily into that edifying tongue and speak in the spirit like you do all the time. That's it, just that edifying tongue. Pray in the spirit, it builds you up. Pray in the spirit, it builds you up. Now, bring your volume down just a little bit. Let me pray for you. Here we go. In that you have sent me here to speak this impartation. I loose faith across this congregation to be used in gifts of the Spirit. And that there would be a diverse kinds of tongues to supernaturally fight right now in the Spirit. I loose you by the power of the name of Jesus to receive a warrior tongue and to fight in Jesus' name.
Do you feel that? Do that. Do you feel that? Do that. That's it, man of God, fight. Fight, man of God, fight. That's it, mama, fight. He said, Okay, okay, let me have your attention. You feel that anointing starting to really spread across this congregation. That was powerful as God drawed us into that for three moments. I want you to know that as I bring you down like this, the gifts are always subject to the prophet, which means whatever gift is operating within you, it's subject to the timing that you loose it, that you hold it, that you loose it. So when we're being instructed like here, I'm going to bring you down and I'm going to loose you. So operate in places like that. When I give you liberty, go for it. When I bring it down, you'll, just like you did perfectly, follow in submission to the, to, the, to the ceremony that's happening here. How many of you realized how exhausting that is? It's exhausting when you minister. Now they tell us, whoever they is, that if you preach truly apostolic style for one hour, it's like working an eight-hour manual job. I've done both. That's true. It is. But if, you, if I minister in the Holy Ghost after I've preached an hour, which, you know, generally they don't let me preach an hour anymore. In the 45 minutes, 40, 35, whatever, they can get away. So if I preach an hour and then minister, I feel like I've been doing double overtime. It's exhausting because you're giving not just physically, not just emotionally, but also mentally and most of all, it's draining you spiritually. And you only have so much as a human being. When James is talking to us about being powerful in prayer and powerful in worship, he said we're all, Elijah, subject to like passions as we are. That doesn't mean, oh, he had problems like we do. No, it means that he had no more passion than we do. We've only got so much passion, and we've got to focus that passion for the things of God. And in particular, when we're operating gifts of the Spirit, a lot of other things have to go because you're going to lose a lot of passion operating in gifts of the Spirit. In fact, uh, late prophet Brother Billy Cole taught me this. He said that his wife, Sister Shirley, was a powerful prayer warrior. But when she would feel the call of God, she would actually get outside of her bed on a rug or someplace on the floor, and she would begin to intercede and fight in the spirit. She didn't have people give her instructions like we're receiving today, and she felt like that if she quit praying, somehow she gave the enemy place. And she literally broke her body. She, nervous breakdown, broke her health, broke some mind things. And she, she destroyed a lot of her physical body because there was lack of understanding. And from this, we have learned that the Spirit of God moves in waves. How many of you know that? Waves. If you ever been in an all-night prayer meeting, you know, and you're like 2 o'clock in the morning and uh, everybody's kind of resorting to praying stuff like, Oh, God. Oh, God. But then all of a sudden at 2 o'clock in the morning from over here, somebody begins to feel a moving of the Spirit. And they lift their voice and start praying. And then it just moves all across the congregation until 3 o'clock in the morning. Everybody is going for it with a powerful anointed prayer. It's a wave of the Holy Ghost. God does that for us in church services. When we hit the song that he is very happy with us thinking and singing, then there's a wave of the Holy Ghost comes upon us. 
And we teach our musicians, if that wave is rolling, sing it again. It don't matter if you sing it 20 times, but immediately when that wave begins to recite, stop it. Don't sing it anymore. We've heard it 20,000 times and the wave is gone. In our churches, there should be more than just in our praise servant. But a preacher should preach toward a final climax of worship and the move of the Holy Ghost. If I preach past that wave, I have to beg people to come to an altar. If I preach to that wave of the Spirit, I can't keep them out of the altar. We don't have to tell people, somebody get up and worship when we hit the right song and we had a sensitivity to worship God in the way that he's comfortable with. People are doing it because they feel a wave of the Holy Ghost. So that wave is what we have to be flowing and following when we operate in gifts of the Spirit. And when that wave begins to crest, that's our opportunity to move into flowing. I'm just trying to give you words that make sense to me, okay? So in praying in diverse kinds of tongues, there's going to be a wave of passion an anointing that comes upon you like some of you were beginning to touch right before I stopped you. And when that wave is upon you, go for it. Give every bit of energy and effort you have. But immediately when that wave resides, like the tide goes in and goes out, when that wave resides, then back up and pray in your edifying tongue. This is how you build yourself back up and get your strength back. God knows that we are flesh. We are made of these earthen vessels that hold these treasures. And we can't sustain ourselves at that level. So we've got to move into it and move out of it. When I operate in gifts of the Spirit, I move into it, I move out of it. I had a hard time when I was beginning to pursue them in ministry for the first time. And I had to, God had to teach me how to turn it off and to turn it on. You got to learn to stir up the gifts that are within you or they'll, they'll destroy you. They'll kill you. You can't stand up under it, okay? So you feel the wave, pray in the spirit, fight the battle, then come back. Think of it like a charge in the battle. Charge in the battle. And then come back and gather your ammunition and get a new and charge again, okay? That type of charge. In fact, you're going to see it congruent in this next one, which is this. Another diverse kinds of tongues is a travail. And the old timers among us know what this is about. And God is dealing with some of us that are not old timers to begin to move into this, but there's not a lot of place in our church ceremony for this. We've got to have prayer places where we can join in this. Because this travail is not an edifying tongue. It doesn't feel like I've walked into a throne room and I'm declaring things that are not as though they are. It's not a battlefield where I'm fighting. I feel this and want to get on the ground and just curl up in a ball and turn my insides out. It's like something within me has to completely undo. It's just travail. The Bible says when Zion travails, it shall bring forth children. Now, we have limited that to talking about when Zion travails, then babies come into the church. That is one dimension. But anything begotten of God is the child of God. So if God wants to flow gifts of the Spirit among us, there has to be a travail that brings that into the physical. It's existing and living in the spiritual realm, but somebody has to travail it into the physical realm. So when I feel this calling, usually it's not in a church service. That's not a, and if we have a prayer service, it would be you know, totally acceptable there, but... Travail is not going to happen often, maybe in an altar service, except in your prayer room where you can really give yourself completely to travail. And it's going to sound like a cry and a wail, 
Now, honestly, you cannot travail unless first you have spent intimate time with God in a secret place and he has planted a seed of promise or ministry or prophecy in your life. And when that happens, you start carrying that. What that means is every time you pick up the word of God, it's like, oh my goodness. Every time the preacher preaches, it's like, man, that's confirming. It's feeding that baby. Until you start walling around like here and that's all the people can see and think is what you're carrying within you. Am I giving you a good analogy? And then there comes a time of fruition when God says, okay, it's time to bring forth what I put in your heart as a church or as an individual. And then you'll feel a calling to travail. You also can join in as a church with a prophecy or a baby that a church is carrying. You might not carry it personally, but you join with the church because the church is carrying that. Okay? So travail has to have an input from God, and you carry it for a while till it's proper. Now, I, I want us to move in this because I feel very strongly, and I'm getting close to the end here. I feel very strongly that this is very much so that we have to use these gifts that God has given us and not be ignorant of it because when we move into the next few years, it's new dimensions of where we're going in the spirit. And what we're facing in the world today, we have to combat it with a supernatural force that we have in the spirit. All right. Okay, we're going to worship like we did before, which stirs the gift for me. Then I'm going to lead you to praying in your edifying tongue, your normal tongue. And when I begin to pray for impartation, don't jump right into where you would just were, okay? Wait for the atmosphere. And then when you hear the travail, take the atmosphere and yield to it and let God use you in a travail, okay? Pastor, did you, you mention about prison ministry? You did in your exhortation. As I just said that, I felt God speak to us that there needs to be a travail for our prison ministry, both male and female prisons, because he's wanting to do a work around them in this area. See, now, if you just felt a prick in your spirit, that's an opportunity for you to connect with that and to intercede in that area, Okay. So this is a good atmosphere, right? Just begin to worship God in your words of English or Spanish. Just worship him. Come on, really connect, focus and connect. There you go. Whew. Now let your edifying tongue go. I think we're already there. Just pray in the spirit. That's it. We're there. Here we go. God, I lose faith upon this congregation and that you would impart a travail upon this people that we might birth in the spirit what you want us to birth in this new year. I loose them to speak in divers tongues and a travail in the spirit in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're feeling it, turn yourself inside. Let it flow. Come on, mama. Come on, mama. Travail for your children. Travail for revival. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah, Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, now listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to loose that gift and go immediately into your edifying tongue. Go ahead and edify, just softly whisper in the spirit like you normally pray. I want you to feel that strength and that edifying comeback. You have been giving in travail and giving in warrior battle. I want you to feel. 
Let that language to God, that worship to Him begin to move from. You feeling that? There's strength coming. I feel it first spiritually, then I feel it emotionally, I feel it mentally, and then it comes physically. If I pray that far, it'll come to all four dimensions. Okay, okay. How many of you feel like you felt that strength coming back as you're praying in an edifying tongue? Good, good, good number of you felt that strength coming back. Okay, I'm closing. I, I feel like there's been impartation, but let me just share a couple of things as I'm closing, all right? You're going to need this gift, and there's been an impartation for those who are hungry for it. Now, when I go to church, here's, here's a problem most places I go. If I go to, uh, I'm, uh, I don't want to get in trouble. I'm going to try to say this the right way. If I go to a non-revival church, then usually I'm the only one working the altars. Or me and pastor will work the altars. My wife is there. She's absolutely working the altars and ministering. But when I go to revival church, there's many more people that are what we call working the altars or working the pews. That means ministry is happening by more than just one people. If you want to have revival, that's the only way to have it. No one individual can do it by themselves. You have to recruit ministers. So for where we are going, where we are going, Bethlehem Church, we need more ministers than what we have. And what you're feeling and what you're touching, you've got to move into that supernaturally in order to be used of God in this dimension of gifts of the Spirit. All right, so here's what I do. When I go to church, I've shared with you that I have to worship for the gift of God in me to stir. Then what I'll do, you'll see me if I'm sitting down here on the platform. I'm turning while I'm worshiping and I'm looking at the people. I was immediately attracted to you this morning because you didn't care who was watching. You were worshiping. And when you're worshiping, it opens for me to minister. This is how it works. She's worshiping, gift of God in her, speaking to the gift of God in me. And so I'm drawn with compassion to her. And as I'm drawn to her with compassion, that's where ministry operates. When you're feeling compassion and you're drawn to the person, physically drawn to them works or just spiritually drawn to them, and you entertain being with them in the spirit. I hope this doesn't sound too kooky, okay? But you entertain being with them in the spirit. Then you began to hear things from God, know things from God, and now you're waiting for the proper time of ministry, okay? So this is what we need to do. What we usually do is we come to church and worship, and this is how we worship. However it might be. We close our eyes so that we can focus on God and lose distraction. I understand that, but at some place we've got to move beyond that level because the way ministry is going to happen is you've got to look at somebody else in an atmosphere of worship. I often say, my wife alluded to it today in her teaching, that... Uh, visitors come among us and they don't have walls up. They don't know they're supposed to. But church people come and they, they put walls up because they're too tired to be vulnerable in the presence of God today or, or they don't want other people to know, blah, 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 all, all this stuff. They put walls up. So our worship service has to be very open and vulnerable in the presence of God. So I'm going to worship God and then when the gift is stirring in me, I'm going to be worshiping with you and looking for people that I can draw near to in the spirit. 
This works. When you take all the examples of ministry, Jesus, the disciples, they all beheld the individual. They stared into him. They looked upon him. This word in the Greek means more than, oh, I glanced at them. It means that you looked into them. This action of looking into an individual is allowing God to bring compassion on your heart and then you operate out of the origin of the fruits of the Spirit and God gives you the gift of the Spirit to operate in, okay? So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Right where you're at here, I want you just to begin to pray in the Spirit. We're already in that liberty. Just pray in the Spirit. Now as you're praying in the Spirit, listen to me. I want you to open your eyes and look across the congregation at somebody else. Don't look at the person beside you and start laughing. Don't do that. But look across the congregation at somebody else that's worshiping. Go ahead and worship. Pray in the Spirit. You want to stand up and look? That's all right. Find somebody else that's worshiping. Do you feel a compassion moving in you? Whoo. I feel that great sensitivity to the Holy Ghost upon you. But God's got to give you maturity and wisdom to know how and to when to operate. The Bible says any man that lacks the wisdom, let him ask God. He'll give liberally. It's time to chase after wisdom and chase after understanding, young man. Powerful anointing, great sensitivity. Yeah. Do you feel that? You looking at anybody? Turn and look at somebody. Can you feel that? Anybody you see that you're feeling compassion drawn? This is how we got to open ourselves up to ministry in church services and not just wait for an altar. We got to look at people. We got to invite them into our spirit. This is how ministry operates. Just a little longer. Press just a little further. Okay, okay, let, let me have your attention one last time, okay? Jamie, there's a calling of God upon your life. There's a lot of confusion in your mind. And there's also, there's also a great sensitivity that you have in the spirit. But sometimes when you see things in the spiritual realm, you see also dark things. Hear things in the spirit, sometimes you hear dark things. And as you train your heart and your spirit to pursue things of God, then these other voices become distant voices. you got to train yourself to hear and to ignore. You're in that process, my brother. And it does not yet appear what you shall be and how God will use you and the anointing upon you. I feel like I need to appeal to some elders to call Jamie's name out in prayer in your prayer life and say, God, there's an anointing upon him. We'll fight with him. We'll loose with him. We'll walk with him. Okay, hold that gift, Jamie. Hold that gift. Hold that gift. Okay, now listen to me. As I'm beginning to speak to Jamie, and he's becoming vulnerable as I'm sharing some things I know in the Holy Ghost. How many of you felt a compassion in your heart? 
That's where you feel compassion. Compassion is the place where you now have the liberty to operate in ministry. And until we draw close and we don't feel that compassion, but when you feel that compassion, that's your loosing. That's your opportunity for ministry. So that compassion is going to guide you. This is what Jesus does. He moves on with compassion for the thousands and he feeds the five thousands with a happy meal for crying out loud. He's moved on with compassion for the lady bearing her son. And when he raises, it's because he does resurrection with compassion. Compassion. Okay, I'm done. Stand with me all over the place. You know, usually on watch night services, they have me start much later. And we only got like three and a half hours left. <laughs> oh, this is not a watch night service? <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. For the, next, for the next few moments, I just want us to exercise some of these gifting. And let me be, uh, thank you, Brother Jamie. Let me be very, very plain with this because a verse that I've already read to you that I want to reiterate because I don't want anybody to leave with, with hurt feelings and misunderstanding. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the last part of that, verse 28 and verse 29, verse 29, after he has spoken about governments and diversities of tongues, verse 29, he said, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues. Now, again, we're not talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what this is telling us is that everybody in this place, this will not be your expertise that you operate in. You'll have giftings and areas of teaching and understanding and moving in different dimensions of different areas. But to those who are feeling this in the Holy Ghost, we have got to move in diverse kinds of tongues for the supernatural battle that's ahead for us. Is that okay for me to be plain and scriptural there? Okay. So right now, if you have been operating and moving in this, I want you to do the same thing we've been doing. I want you to worship. I want you to pray in edifying tongue. And then I want you to start looking at somebody to minister to. I'm not going to have a normal altar call here. We're going to let people that are ministers in this house, all of you, find someone to be moved on with compassion for just the next five minutes. And go find them. And if God leads you to pray intercessor or to pray a warrior's tongue or a declaring tongue, then somebody loose what God has already imparted and begin to operate. If you're not comfortable with diversities of tongues, then just pray your prayer in English. Let tears flow from your face. But let there be a compassion that moves right now. Will you worship? There you go. People are finding people to be moved on with compassion. Yeah, I hear a travail over here. I hear a travail. Is somebody breaking through to a promise? Is somebody breaking through? I hear a declaring tongue over there. Somebody is declaring things that are not as though they are. Whoo, that's it. Lift your voice. That's it. Pray in the spirit. Let the gifts move and flow within you.
Amen. All over this place, why don't you lift your hands and just be sensitive as you worship the Lord. Amen. The Lord has moved here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As your hands are lifted and your eyes are closed, how many, how many are really hungry for a great 2024 spiritually? Spiritually, God, I want to grow this year. I want my family to prosper spiritually. God, I, want, I don't want to be in the same spiritual position 12 months from now that I'm in right now. God, I want to grow. I want to advance. I want you to lead me in the spirit, God, so I can fulfill the promise and potential that you put in my life. Come on, if that's your prayer, why don't you pray something like that? It doesn't have to be exactly that. God, show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to change. Show me things, God, that I need to leave behind and things, God, that I need to take up. Lord, help me to be more like Thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Let me climb up higher till thy face I see. Lord, help me to be more like thee. God, I'm hungry, Lord, to see a great move of your spirit this year. God, I'm hungry, Lord, for higher levels, for the leading of the spirit, to walk in the spirit, to be a disciple and to make disciples. Lord, I thank you, God. Lord, I thank you. We're getting ready to close in just a moment. I'm going to ask you if you will. I'm going to give you two or three things that I want you to help me pray about. Before I do that, if you're a guest, we have some refreshments. I'd love for you to join us in meet and greet. If you go through the vestibule past the restrooms, there's a large room. And just to the right, there's a room. You can't miss it. And we would love to take a few moments. We're getting ready on to relaunch First Steps on Wednesday nights. And I want you to help me pray that that can be as effective as God can let it be for us connecting with our new people as well as Grow Class. We are restarting Grow 3. It is our third level for our new member classes. For those of you that don't know, First Steps, or, I'm sorry, Grow 1 is class for our brand new members. Grow 2 is the next class they go into. It helps to, to them to learn how to overcome things that they've dealt with in the world, things that's happened to them in the world. It's great to come and worship, but at some point you've got to grow. You've got to de be able to deal with the things that have happened in your life. And Grow 2 is a series that's all about that. We're restarting Grow 3, which leads into deeper levels of discipleship and personal commitment. It challenges things in our lives that God wants us to change so that His Spirit can be more alive within us. 
And then we're getting ready to launch Grow Four, which is leadership development and training people to be great leaders and to advance the kingdom of God. I want you to help me pray about those also coming up this year. Brother, Brother Green has touched on our work in the men's prison right here in our very own county, and God's given us favor, and we've seen a lot of people that God has touched. Um, there's things we have to overcome. There's, there's enemies, spiritual things that we have to be able to overcome, and that happens by prayer. And so we need you to pray for that prison team. We also are getting ready. We haven't had a women's prison conference, a princess within conference since before COVID. And uh, we, we had one canceled because of COVID. And then, uh, and then from there, uh, we've struggled with, with, we just have struggled to be able to get back in. Well, we are going back in here in just a, a couple of months or so. Um, I don't recall the exact date, but last time we were there, we had 100 ladies receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but they didn't give us permission to baptize. I'm praying, I'm personally praying that God will visit this conference and also give us freedom to baptize these women in the name of Jesus. But we got to start praying now. Amen. Amen. And so those are some things that I want you to help me pray about. Uh, we have a lot of things on the calendar. We got her conference coming up. We've got uh, Let's Talk Young Ministers Conference. We've got camp meeting. We've got Radical Recovery Revival. And God only knows what else. We got a lot going. Any church that gives a lot has to pray a lot. Because the more you give, the more the enemy wants to knock you down. And, uh, and so we need to be in prayer. So I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask you if any of those things stuck out to you as something that you would like to focus on, or if you've wrote two or three or all of them down, just help me pray. How many going to help me pray about this stuff? Amen. Lord, we thank you, God, for this church. I thank you, God, for these wonderful people that are open and sensitive to the spirit God we love to shout but we are not afraid to slow down and be instructed and God we receive it with thanksgiving and we mix it with faith and God we thank you Lord for the ministry of brother and sister Green tonight and this morning I pray a blessing upon them I ask you God to refresh them in your spirit God I ask you Lord Jesus to provide all things that pertain to life and godliness for them in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you, Lord, for 2023. God, I thank you for everything that you've brought us through, for all the things that you've provided, all the things that you've done, the people that have been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, our new members that have come, our old members that have stayed faithful. God, I pray over every family and every member of this church, I plead your blood over them. I pray, God, for their mind, body, and spirit. I pray that you would bless them with all manner of spiritual blessings. And as we close the door on the old year, I realize that our calendar, God, does not mean as much to you as it does to us. But God, as we close the door on the old year and we open the door on the new year, help us to approach it with a, faith, a fresh faith and a fresh anointing and a fresh commitment to prayer and seeking your, your face and to flowing in the Spirit. God, help us, Lord Jesus, to be committed to the mission that you've given this church to be disciples and to make disciples. It's not just a catchphrase. 
It's what you've called us to do. And God, we give ourselves to your purpose. And we thank you for all the great opportunities that you have before us to be something and do something for the kingdom of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, can somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise? And one more time before we go, can you give a shout of praise and thank God just because he's awesome, just because he's great. Amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. Again, we'd love to invite our guests to come to meet and greet. God bless you in Jesus' name.